and welcome to Worst Bestsellers, where we read about a love triangle in space so you don't have to. I'm Renata. And I'm Kate. And for this episode, we read The Courtship of Princess Leia by Dave Wolverton. Joining us to discuss this no longer canonical Star Wars novel is Zane, nerd, fanfiction author, and self-proclaimed Star Wars enthusiast. Hi, Zane. Hello. I'm excited to be here today. We're excited to talk to you. Slightly less excited about this book, but that's that's how it goes on this podcast. <laughs> that's life. <laughs> that's the hobby that we've chosen to do in our downtime. Yeah, this is what we're doing with our wild and precious life. <laughs> this is the start of our flashback summer season, where traditionally we go back and revisit childhood favorites. And the main purpose of flashback summer has been to for it to be sort of like fun and short books that maybe we have positive feelings about. And we kind of flunked flashback summer actually on this one. Yeah. It, it reminded me actually of like, I mean, it was less, it was slightly less tedious to me, but when we did the other X-Files novel last summer Oof. and it was like, Oh yeah, this is a very long book. That's not as much about Mulder and Scully as anyone would like. Yeah. I yes. apologize. I 100% did remember how long and bad this was, and I volunteered anyway. That's fine. It's fine. It's, the weird thing about it to me is that, like, looking at number-wise, it is not... Well, okay, so part of my, the problem is there is no audiobook of this, so I had to read it with my eyes, and we all know how much I hate that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But also, like, it felt... I think that the reason why it felt so long to me is because it was about characters that I love, but they were all behaving wildly out of character and badly. (laughs) And I couldn't just hit the back button like I would if I were on AO3. (laughs) I had to read all the pages. (laughs) And that made it seem much like looking at it time wise, it did not take me that long to read the book, but I could only read like three chapters at a time before I had to like get up and pace around my house or go on a walk. Yeah, this book took me a full day to read, and I'm normally, like, a pretty fast reader, but I just, I would read a little bit and be like, I deserve a break, and, like, (laughs) it just took so long to get through it, and this is, I can't remember, I know when we did our Star Trek episode, we talked about how, when I was a kid, I was more into Star Wars, I don't remember the ex- if we've talked about the extent to which I was into Star Wars, but I was like pretty into Star Wars. I had I owned this book. I had read this book as a kid, like a tween probably. This I think originally came out in 94, 95. And I had like two full shelves of Star Wars books and my childhood bedroom and I had kind of an emotional attachment to those like I just sort of kept them at my parents house for a really long time and finally in like 2012 when I was moving out of state I finally was like you know what I'm done with these I'm gonna box them up and try to sell them at the used bookstore and I had like a huge box of these Star Wars books and the guy was like I don't know like four dollars and I was like what (laughs) my my precious Star Wars books and he was like no one wants these four dollars and I was like okay yes I don't want them either and come to think of it and then like two years later or something they announced this whole I don't know, Zane, maybe you're better prepared to talk about this. I don't know, where they were like, oh, all the Star Wars books that came out before this, those are legends now and they don't count anymore and we're like republishing them as legends and then the new ones are something else. 
And around that time, at least I had a friend who was like, oh my God, I have to like buy all the Legends books before they become Legends. And I was like, I should have saved those books. Maybe they'd be worth like $8 in this economy. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I'm still mad about it, maybe. Uh, I do still have two books, two shelves full of Star Wars books. Uh, look, life decisions were made. Sure. Um, I have, Star Wars is very nostalgic for me. Um, like TLDR, we lived in the middle of nowhere. I have seen Star Wars, the original trilogy, upwards of 500 times as wow. a result. I used to be able to quote most of it. Not so much now. But uh, yeah, so like during my mid to late teens up through uh, my 20s, I was super, super into the Star Wars uh, extended universe slash legacy novels. I've read, I haven't read all of them. Um, some of them were harder to get than others, uh, especially because this was like pre-Amazon. Mm-hmm. And so I have a lot of them still. I love a lot of them. I love others substantially less. I do feel like I should disclaim when we get down into like the recommendation section later, I rage quit after sacrifice. So I am not up to date on the novels. Uh, and I was also like, I rage quit before they announced the legacy stuff, but I was still mad about it. Yeah, fair. I don't, I don't know what that is. I don't know what sacrifice is. Oh, does it count as spoilers if it's like more than a decade ago? I'm going to say no. So it's the one where Mara Jade dies. Oh, I didn't know Um, she died. (laughs) Spoilers for me. (laughs) (laughs) Jason, uh, like, I don't even know how to describe what happens with Jason. He goes, I mean, like, basically Kylo Ren was based off of, like, the worst parts of Jason's storyline. Okay, I feel like we might have listeners who are a, a wide range of Star Wars nerdiness. Like, in these books leia and han had three kids and they were jason and Jaina and what was the other one anakin and An- right okay and anakin <laughs> yeah they do terrible things to them they are very mean to their characters in the extended universe and so jason and Jaina are twins and jason is very i don't know he like changes characterization every like two years but he goes like I don't know if I could say dark side. He goes just very weird and rogue and kind of dark side. And he starts like doing these terrible things. Uh, one of which is killing Mara Jade. And I'm still mad about it. It's been a long time, but I'm still mad about it. Well, so this back to courtship of princess Leia, when you suggested this one, you're like, I hate this one. I was like, I, I liked this one. And then I realized like a, when I read it, I was like 12 and B, all that endured in my memory, like when you suggested this in my head, I was like, oh, the witch book. And in my head, this is a book about A, cool witches, and B, Leia having like a cute love triangle that I guess I I, I remember feeling sort of fondly about it. Like, oh, this is fun and interesting. And now I'm like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> who's this? Like, where did this guy come from? What's happening? <laughs> Our heterosexist society brainwashed you at 12 into thinking this was okay. Yeah. This is a very cishet book. Like, so cishet. Yeah, like, those witches should be gay. Absolutely. The witches should be gay. Luke obviously should be gay. I think we can all agree on that, that the amount of time that he spends, the amount of times that they say, Luke never looks at women like this. Yeah. (laughs) Luke is gay. Um, 3PO is gay and there's a part <laughs> early on when Han is like oh 3PO like I need love advice what would you do if you were trying to like date a girl droid and I was like there's a lot to unpack here Han. <laughs> a lot to unpack here and then oh they don't God. unpack it all 
I was a little bit older, so I remembered how bad it was, unfortunately. <laughs> I also want to jump ahead with a shocking to me reveal that came at the end of the book when I read the about the author section. And I'm just going to do a little mini dramatic reading here uh, uh, from one paragraph of the about the author about Dave Wolverton. In addition to writing novels and video games, Dave worked for many years as the judge for one of the world's largest writing contests, as an educator teaching creative writing at Brigham Young University, and has taught numerous writing seminars and thus has trained dozens of other New York Times bestsellers, including Brandon Sanderun, which I believe is a typo for Brandon Sanderson, <laughs> that is in your printed book bragging about what a good writer you are, which that's not fully your fault, probably, but still. Brandon Sanderon, Brandon Mull, Eric Flint, and Stephanie Meyer. <laughs> I'm so glad that's in your copy because it's I have like one of the OG copies and it's not in mine. I by the way, because I sold my box of Star Wars books and because Kate has the library like most libraries don't have this anymore and they're right not to. Kate has the library copy. I had to buy this on Amazon for $4.99. <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't realize I took the only one in Massachusetts. Out. Okay. Here's the thing, actually. There's two copies in the whole state. And for those, if you don't know, if you live in Massachusetts and you have a Massachusetts library card, you can check out ebooks from any other Massachusetts library. So there's two copies in the state. I knew you had one. Some other person has the other one. Someone else is just reading this and not, they don't have to. (laughs) Oh no. Poor them. (laughs) Yeah. I, and Kate, I thought about being like, can I have your library card? And I was like, ah, that gets annoying with the highlights and stuff. And it's only $4.99. I guess I'll just buy it. Yeah. I mean, it's fine. Apparently you can't highlight it anyway. So. Oh, see, that's nice. I can highlight it in my paid copy and that's trash. But anyway. (laughs) What was I saying? Oh, yeah. Uh, Dave Wolverton, this is such a weird brag and a bad brag. And also <laughs> also explains a lot about you being Mormon and like the gender politics of your dumb book. So much. And also so much. in a weird way, explains a little bit about Stephanie Meyer, a I think. Bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, and we can get into it, but it also explains like some of the weird romance stuff that happens. Like, I don't know if that makes sense to talk about it now, but it's like, like, oh, we're instantly in love. It feels like a very Mormon thing to me. I mean, that's Twilight, baby. <laughs> yeah. Because, yeah. Uh, yeah, for sure. I know so many people who like went to call, went to BYU and were like, "I met somebody three months ago. We're getting married tomorrow." And yeah, yeah so they can fuck. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> I mean, literally, yeah. Or like the ones who wait a year, and you know that like some stuff went down, and then they had to wait to get married in the temple. Oh. And I always feel I feel bad for them, but not really. <laughs> All right, but I guess we could start jumping in. So this it takes place sometime after. I don't know, Zane can probably do the whole tri- like timeline or whatever, but it takes place sometime after the end of Return of the Jedi. Um, I'm mentally going on, like, how much do we need to Star Wars explain? And I feel like if you haven't seen the original Star Wars trilogy, like, just close this episode now. I don't think this is going to be a good time for you. 
I mean, yeah. but also, I was explaining, my roommate hasn't seen the original trilogy. She's only seen Rogue One. And when I was mad about this book, I was like, oh, I'm so mad about this. But I can't, like, I can't vent to you because you don't know the characters. But then I did anyway. And she was like, no, I know enough from culture to understand why what you're saying is whack. Yeah. Yeah, it's, um, the weird thing about this book is, like, I think there is a specific time that they've said it's in canon. And I can never remember what it is because everybody tries to pretend this book never happened. Yeah, that's fair. Understandably. So it lives in this kind of ambiguous, like, yeah, Han and Leia got married at some point. We try not to talk about it, like, era of Star Wars. Yeah. I just want to say one thing that I remember from my time and more involved in Star Wars fandom is that the the measurement of time that they would use in the, like, guides or, like, the Wikipedia is, like, before Battle of Yavin and after battle of yavin and so when they give these dates it's like whatever parentheses bby so it looks like the dates are just like year 36 baby and <laughs> and i i like that <laughs> at one point luke says something about how like oh like a couple years ago was when obi-wan died like he gives like a, a number of years ago it was that obi-wan died i don't remember what it was though so that's not really a helpful interjection just to say that it was single digit years ago since the original Star Wars A New Hope. <laughs> it's like stuck in my head that it's five years after, but I might be mixing it up with like the five months that Han spends hunting Zinge. Okay, I've just looked it up on Wikipedia just now. It's set in the year 8 ABY. Okay. 8 after Battle of Yavin, aka four years after Return of the Jedi. Okay. And it, its original release date was April 1st, 1994. So maybe this whole book was an <laughs> April Fool's joke <laughs> on the fandom. And if so, good one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's the only possible reason. <laughs> So we've where it's it's been four years, I guess, since Return of the Jedi. I don't know all of like the politics of entirely what's going on in this book because I never read these as a kid. But uh, you know, Han I is- did read them, and this doesn't totally connect to anything. Like I feel no. like this was a time before they, and this is why they had to like cancel all of them because they just didn't quite add up. Even before the other movies, I don't think because they didn't have the internet, so it was harder for them to check with each other. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, one thing I want to say before we get into this, just because it immediately was fucking whack to me. Very soon in this, we meet the um the Happen people, which is capital H A P A N, and their planet is called Hapies, but then the adjective is Happen, and Hapa is like a term for the different. It originally was a Hawaiian term, but I think a lot of multiracial Asian American people use it, and so I was like. Sorry, what? You're your Hapa aliens? Or they're they're humans, but it's just like of all the space words that you could have made, you picked this one? And like Dave Overton, I'm assuming didn't know, but it was just really weird. And they talk about Hoppins throughout this. And I was like, what? Yeah, I don't know though, because like Utah has a really big Pacific Islander population. I mean, relative to a lot of places. Uh so I don't know, man. He's he's from Utah. It's he would have spent a lot of time in like the um kind of Salt Lake, Provo, Orem area where a lot of them live. So I don't know, man. He may not have any excuse. Yeah, maybe he just like heard it in the back of his head and was like, That sounds like a good Star Wars uh <laughs> or a good, you know, space name. I'll keep that in the back of my head. Yeah, very possible. 
Um, yeah, so it's been it's been like four years since the end of Return of the Jedi. Stuff is going on, and Han has been on Han Solo. That is, if you are going through this anyway, despite not knowing a lot about Star Wars, uh, he's been on a he's a general now, and he's been on a mission to like hunt down the remaining warlords from the fall of the empire and it's been five months and when he comes home he sees all of these hopping cruisers uh around coruscant that's that's where they are right yeah which is like the capital of the universe yes um and so he like immediately is like oh god we have to fight them because they are they hate everyone and they always do fights so we need to do a fight and then they're like, actually, they're telling us that they're not doing a fight. Also, Leia is calling you. So you should go take her Skype call in your bedroom. Because mm-hmm. we, who knows what you guys are going to get up to. And he does. And she's like, oh, yeah, this is so great. They, I went and met with them. And I told them, like, they should join the New Republic. And they were like, oh, well, think about it. And then they sent all these people. And there's gifts. And it's going to be great. So, like, you have to come down to do, like, gifts. Oh, also, like, I guess I missed you. Bye. Mm-hmm. and <laughs> hangs up and he is very skeptical of this because he has had encounters with them before and they're not like chill they're not team players he doesn't think this is a good idea but also like what are you gonna do you know the more i think about it the more i'm like is calling them Hoppen like an intentional like are they supposed to be fantasy asian because they just their ships are called dragons <laughs> and oh. And they're so, like, isolated. Like, it's such a stereotype of, like, you know, Asian nations being, like, culturally isolated from the West. Like, is this what this is? This is another thing that's uncomfortable about this book. Yeah. Yeah. Now that you... I forgot about the dragon thing. You might be correct. Oh, boy. (laughs) Dave. (laughs) Yay. Uh, so they he goes down to, to the planet and like everyone uh, is like flooding the you know chamber where people meet you know dignitaries or whatever and lays up on a platform and three PO comes and finds him and helps him get up to this platform and they watch like all of the the Hoppins have like this huge empire of all of these planets that are under their rule and so they've brought gifts from like all 87 of them or something there's, there's 63 63 whatever I don't, know, I, I don't know why i remember that very clearly but i do <laughs> um so they they present leia with all leia specifically like all of the other dignitaries are not allowed on the platform han included and he's pissed about it yeah and, and also and it's kind of a slight because she's the ambassador and she's an important figure but the the new republic does have a prime minister which is mon mothma and they're like we don't want to talk to her we want to talk to leia even though technically she is less um official yeah so they present her with 62 gifts and they're like wild things that you know are really rare and normally like outsiders don't get to see and then at the end she's like i only count 62 gifts and then a very handsome man comes out of a a ship and he's like i am the 63rd gift handsome like (laughs) topless in a half cape man yeah he's like extra i just i love this image of him just like coming out like i just oh my god just topless like half cape like beautiful long hair blonde hair like oh my and, god. and a veil over his face <laughs> right <laughs> yes 
<laughs> yes. And so it comes up and his name is Isolder and he's the Hoppen Prince. And it comes about that like he they're proposing marriage of him and Leia. And so the other gifts, it's contingent. Like she has to accept all the gifts, including marriage or none of the gifts. And at this point in time, the New Republic is is broke and they need money to fund their like never ending space war to get the rest of the empire out of space. And so a lot of people are like, well, this would be really, we could really use all these like space diamonds and shit. And you know, go, who, he's cute. Go like, think about it, huh? <laughs> and of course, if you are unfamiliar about, uh, with Star Wars, but still listening to this for some reason, Han and Leia are of course in love and a couple. So Han is like, not thrilled with this suggestion. Uh-huh. uh-huh. And also in this book, he's also, I mean, I mean, he's not, not like low key jealous and territorial in the movies, movies, but also he is also willing to not like, he literally says to Leia at one point, like, I won't stand in your way if you're in love with Luke, like, it's fine. Cause I love you. And like, I'm mad about this, but whatever. And then she's like, you're a dipshit. He's my brother. But she says it in such a way that he should have known that when really she only just found out like 10 minutes beforehand. (laughs) It's fine. (laughs) Um, But yeah, he gets like real, real, real angry, jealous, misogynistic jerk about Mm -hmm. the whole thing basically Mm -hmm. immediately. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then meanwhile, smash cut to Luke, who's on a planet called Tula that I wrote down, even though I don't know what that that means nothing to me, but I wrote it down. <laughs> he's on this planet and he's looking for ruins of he's trying to find any kind of records of like Jedi history or like the Jedi Academy because he you know, if you if you know Star Wars, like there weren't any Jedi left because the Empire killed them all and, you know, burned all their trapper keepers and stuff. And so he doesn't know jedi history he just sort of got like the little crash course from yoda but he's like there must be more jedi history and this is where this and like the telecommunications make this so clear that this is like the future via the 70s and then via the 90s where they just couldn't imagine like cloud storage (laughs) (laughs) and they could like and throughout this, there's multiple times where they talk about, like, how extremely expensive it is to do, like, video space calls. And yet also, like, I don't know. And it does make me wonder. One thing that's always stuck in my mind, actually, is one of the Star Wars books that I read in my in my tween years was um, there were a couple of these short story anthologies that were just focused on, like, the minor background characters and sort of fleshing them out. And they were like... Tales from Mos Eisley Cantina and Tales from Java's Palace. I don't know. One of them is about somebody who's like a space mailman. And they like fly this shuttle around and drop off chips. And even then, like, I think we barely, I don't even know if we had the internet in my house at the time, but we had AOL. And I was like, why are they flying chips around? Like, that's dumb. Like, that can't possibly be how they do mail in Star Wars. But I guess it is. Anyway. <laughs> to to be fair to them, there's this, like, famous computer science thing of, like, if it takes, like, depending on file size, it would take X amount of time to, like, transfer it over available technology. And sometimes it is actually faster to attach a chip to a, pige- a carrier pigeon and, like, send them off. It's like, it's like a theoretical thing, but it's actually a thing. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess that's how it works in Star Wars. 
So he's out here like looking for the pigeons or whatever, and every it's all been it's all been burned because Emperor Palpatine like wanted to destroy the Jedi, as seen in the films. And he finds like it's it's been corrupted. But he finds like a ten second vine of Yoda saying, "Oh, Dathomir, I was repulsed by the witches of Dathomir," and it's just like looping because it's damaged. And so all he knows is there's witches on Dathomir. And there's some things that I got really into, like, what does it mean to be a witch in the universe of Star Wars? And there's multiple times they call Jedi spoonbenders. And I was like, what does it mean to be a spoonbender in the universe of Star Wars? Like, why? Why? I don't know. But anyway, that's what Luke's up to. Yeah. There's, there's like a very distinct um, divide between stuff that was written before the prequel trilogy and stuff that was written after. Mm-hmm. And, and there's kind of like a little bit of a transition, but like very much the prequel trilogy, among its many faults, uh, kind of makes like it turns kind of the force into this scientific thing, whereas previous to that, it was a lot more like mystical, magical. And I don't know which one I like better, but definitely like, yeah, it was a lot more like, oh, this is magic. Um which I think you see with kind of the witches and stuff. Also, they're women, so, you know, witches. Yeah, the the book basically answers the question of what is a witch in Star Wars universe, and it is a woman who has the force. <laughs> yeah, I guess, yeah. It's just like, I don't know. Like, before he meets them, what does the word witch mean to him? <laughs> Unclear. That's an excellent point. <laughs> uh, so Leia tells Isolder, like, I can't accept your proposal. Like, I have to think about it. So, like, give me, even though your people expect us to make a decision imminently, like, you need to give me, like, a month Mm -hmm. because I also am leaving on a diplomatic mission soon and we need time to get to know each other. And, like, it's a whole big deal. And Isolder is brought on a tour of the base including where Han is working on the Falcon to get his angst out and Han tells him like oh like Leia and I are lovers and also I'm a pirate and also like (laughs) I am like basically like just like lays everything very rude he's he's very rude Yes, he's very rude. He lays everything out on the table in the least diplomatic way possible. But Isolder is also kind of like, hey, like, I respect you for this. Like, I don't like you, but, like, I offered you money and a ship to leave Leia alone. And you were like, fuck off. Mm-hmm. And I can respect that. And also, I, too, was a pirate. For yes. reasons. For reasons. <laughs> oh, one thing I want to mention in with the 63 gifts, one of them is something called a gun of command, which is basically like a brainwashing gun. And it gives a little bit of like scientific babble of like, if you shoot someone with it, the electro impulses make their brain very receptive to like what, but basically like it's a brainwash gun. And, and they talk about how this technology is really expensive and rare, but the happens have it. And now Leia has one. And there's multiple points in this where like, they're having dinner and all of a sudden Han's mind goes blank and he leaves the room. And I was like, Ooh, is there a reveal that they're like brainwashing these people? And like, that's kind of interesting. And it's not, it's just really bad writing. <laughs> yeah. Cause they, Leia's having dinner with Isolder and invites Han to come with them. And he shows up late and then like sits at the table and they to get be clear kind of- to defend Han. He shows up late. Cause nobody told him what time it was. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. That is. Yeah. <laughs> That is true, and dinner is, like, awkward, and 
weird and he does he does storm out though at some point right yeah he does and i thought it was gonna be because isolder was brainwashing him but he wasn't han was just like an immature baby and then leia calls luke afterwards and was like oh luke like you wouldn't believe the boy trouble i'm having and luke's like yeah um you know this call is really expensive Yeah, he's like, this call's really expensive, so why don't I just travel, like, across space to see you in person? <laughs> and and I guess, like, I I understand it being a conceit for the movies or whatever, like, you have to have this because otherwise, if the technology's too good, you have to, like, make up new problems or, like, new reasons for them to have, like, space starships. But it's, it seems just, dumb. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. just so... It's so, it it feels like something you would read in a fanfic. It feels like, like Leia calling her twin brother to be like, Luke, I'm having so many boy troubles. Like, let's commiserate. Feels like something that should be in a fanfic, except then it would be good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've read many Star Wars fanfictions that are substantially better than this book. <laughs> anyway, so then Han storms out. And he goes to play this card game called Sabic, which I think is briefly in one of the movies. It's like space poker. So he goes to play this card game, this high stakes card game, and he wins the deed to a planet called Dathomir. And I was like, how do you win a planet? And it seems like even as he's writing a book about how you win a planet, Dave Wolverton didn't really think through how you would win a planet. Like, as the book went on, I don't understand how this person who was in the bar had the deed to this planet, like how any of this works. Because then, you know, spoilers, they go to this planet and the planet's like, you don't own me. And it's like, how, what, what? <laughs> the The thing that's also, I really want to talk about here is how like, a, he invents, like, a very detailed alternate version of Sabacc, and it's got, like, a light side and dark side, and is just, like, so dripp- There's, like, a whole, almost a whole chapter dedicated to, like, extreme detail down to the cards of, like, how this game goes down. Yeah, of this made-up game. So you're like, oh, yes, of course, he has, like, the fool's card, and, like, cards don't have that. I don't know what you're talking about. You could just say he won. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what you want from me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, so also, so part of the reason too, that he, he's excited about winning this planet is that Leia's home planet was blown up in the first Star Wars movie and like her people, her refugees from her planet have been looking for a new planet ever since and they haven't successfully found one. So he kind of feels like, oh, like if I can bring her a new planet, then, you know, she'll fall in love with me instead of this handsome rich man who wants her to be queen of an entire star system or several star systems or whatever. Yeah, he's like, um, I'll buy Leia's love with planet. Yes. Meanwhile, something something's going on. I think Leia is going to have Isolder come with her on a trip or something, but oh, yeah. people come after them and they think that they're trying to assassinate Leia at this point. Yeah. And, and also, she gets, her other diplomatic mission gets canceled because... Like, the higher-ups of the New Republic are cock-blocking Han Solo. Because they're like, no, it would actually be great if you would just take some time off from your actual job to just, like, get to know this hot prince. Because it would be really great if you would marry him, actually. Yeah, and so when she's almost assassinated, or is she, they have this, like, moment 
where they kiss, where this was the point where I was like, is she being mind controlled? Yes, also this. Yes, there were multiple points where I was like, weird. Because but... like the the text at this point even says like she didn't know what was coming over her or why she was doing this. And I guess that's what Dave Wolverton thinks is romantic. But to me, it was like, oh, he's got a mind control gun. Yeah. But he didn't. Yeah. Nope. So then also after this, the Alderanian Council, who's all the people left over from Leia's blown up home planet, are having a meeting and she goes to the meeting and it turns out the meeting is like, it's time to start wedding planning for Leia's wedding to Isolder. And she's like, excuse me? And they're like, no, 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 honey, you don't need to be involved in this. Like, I, my, we are going to do this for you. Don't even worry your pretty little head about it. You go on your like pre-marriage honeymoon with this guy. When you get back, everything will be set. Like, don't even fret. Uh, and Han shows up and he's clearly pissed. And then 3PO also shows up. And earlier, 3PO had gone to... Han had gone to 3PO and been like, 3PO, like, I need girl help. <laughs> yes. And 3PO was like, I'm a gay robot. Like, what do you want from me? <laughs> yeah. It's important to note, too, that for God knows what reason, this is being televised. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah even though it's really right. expensive to send stuff, this is being, like, televised to the whole galaxy. Yeah, and for even, some reason. and Luke, no, Luke is, like, the accountant. He's like, oh, <laughs> it's weird that they're televising this, even though it's so expensive to do that. Like, in the text, he thinks that. And he's like, yeah. Why are you, why? <laughs> Luke constantly, every- which I could, I could honestly buy that as a character deal. Like he grew up very poor on this like desert planet. He knows it's expensive to do space Skype, but the, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's just so close to self awareness, and yet it's just it's like literally every time it's like Dave Wilberton was like okay well like we've already established that space Skype is really expensive so literally every time he uses it Luke has an aside about how expensive it is and then but then he does it anyway then he does it anyway yeah he's he's complex he contains multitudes <laughs> one other thing that I thought was really con- inconsistent is that I feel like at this point <laughs> Luke Skywalker should be fucking famous. Like, this is like Space Kardashians. But throughout it, people don't seem to recognize him. Or, like, I don't know. Like, you are the only Jedi. Like, you just were a big hero. And we've established that there is Space Skype and Scape television. Why aren't you on it? (laughs) Well, the weirdest thing to me is, like, this is actually really common in a lot of the Star Wars books where, like, Nobody really knows who they are. And I appreciate that it's a big galaxy, but like, come on. They're definitely space Kardashians. Yeah. Um, so at this council meeting, as Han had previously gone to 3PO and been like, hey, you have to help me win a girl. You know all about that, right? And 3PO was like, yeah, I know tons about that. It's fine. I'm not lying. Um, <laughs> and he goes to the council meeting and he's like, I have done research and it turns out that Han is the king of Corellia. So also he should marry Leia because <laughs> reasons. And everyone's like, wait, what? And he explains like Han's whole family tree. And then Han gets up and leaves mm-hmm. uh, in the middle of this. And 
everyone's just kind of like scratching their heads. There's also this weird aside in there where like the head of the council when 3PO wants to talk is like, uh, droids can't talk. Like, what are you, this is insane. A droid talking at a council meeting. And Leia has this aside where she's like, oh man, like the pro droid liberation people are going to fire him. He's not going to get reelected. And that's the end of that storyline. But, uh, so Han leaves and, like we said, Leia's not going anymore on her other mission. She's just going with Isolder. So Han goes to see her the night before he's supposed to go on a new faraway mission that, as Renata said, they were sending him on to cockblock him. And he, at this point, here's where Chekhov's mind control gun is used by Han on Leia. Yeah. To get her to go with him to his planet that he won in this poker game. And that's literally fine. Leia is like pissed about it, but not any more pissed than she is that he was rude at dinner. It is infuriating. And throughout this, like after the brainwash way Ray wears off, she like is like, okay, well, I guess I'm already here. And Han's like, let's make the best of it. And you have to give me seven days to try to like win your heart. And she's like, okay, I guess we'll shake on this. But then multiple times after that in the narrative, like she'll be like, I don't know why I agreed to come to this planet with you. And it's like, girl, you didn't. You didn't agree. You were brainwashed gunned. And I can't, like Leia certainly shouldn't have forgotten about that. It feels like the book itself forgot about that. And she she says it to Isolder too when he's like, oh, like I have to like beat up Han or like arrest Han for kidnapping you. And she's like, oh, he didn't kidnap me. We're friends. We went off together. And at first I thought like maybe she's just saying that to spare Han this fight. But it does seem in the narrative that she actually believes it. Yeah. Yeah. So this is like, you can, you can edit this out later if you want. Mm. This, this is very Mormon to me. Um, mm. Like, this still happens, though it's less common, but there's, like, a very – it's not uncommon for somebody to, like, reveal to the person they're dating that they're meant to marry, get married and, like, semi-coerce them into marriage. There's actually, like, a famous TikToker who tells, like, this really creepy story about her grandpa doing that to her grandmother. Hmm. So, like, this being totally okay feels very Mormon to me. Okay. I think, Zane, if it's okay, I think it's also maybe – uh, a point where we should mention that you are a former Mormon in saying oh, yeah. this and not just a person yes. who's read the Wikipedia article on Mormon. <laughs> yeah, no, sorry. I was I was raised Mormon. Um, I'm going to try not to bash the Mormon church too much. It was not a good experience for me. I will disclaim that as well. I mean, I'll be honest. I don't think we have a ton of Mormon listeners, but if we do, hi. That seems probable. <laughs> it's like totally fine. And I, I do, I really do appreciate those insights into Mormonism as we're reading this and feel free to continue to include them. But I did just want to clarify for listeners who might yeah. also be former Mormons or other things who are like, well, who's this person who has the, this is, this is rooted in knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. No, this is very much like, I know people who did this. So. <laughs> I mean, they didn't have a mind control gun. Or did they? No. I mean, I think there's something to be argued that, like, you have this, like, religious coercion. It's not a literal mind control gun, but, like, there's a lot of pressure on, like, oh, it's been revealed that we're supposed to get married. And it's, there's, it's definitely, like, a situation where it can be really hard to say, yeah, sounds fake. Yeah. 
it's and and that's I guess that's where we are with Leia who like I just it was it's it's like he wanted it, it reads as if he wanted her to go with Han to this planet but he couldn't come up with a reason that felt okay to him for her to just go so he was just like oh like mind control gun it's fine right I also I don't know if we mentioned that Dave Wolverton is Mormon that's also like a relevant we, point yeah we did because I okay. I did my Stephanie Meyer dramatic reading okay okay good <laughs> um so so she's on she's with han on this like trip on the falcon to dathomir and she agrees to his plan that if she falls in love with him in seven days that she'll marry him again and um luke shows up at coruscant to be like hey like i was supposed to meet leia at this other star system and she never showed up and then it's like oh well that's because she was kidnapped by han solo <laughs> <laughs> And he's like, oh, great. So then he goes to Han's room to smell it. Yeah, he, like, force smells it. He's, like, he's like doing an object rating, like, in the diviners. And he's just like, oh, my senses tell me that he was feeling, like, really distraught when his head touched the pillow and da-da-da. And then, like, does a whole mental, like, cork board and is like, I know that he went gambling and he, like, tracks down, he, like, constructs a breadcrumb trail with the force. Yeah. And he finds the person who he won the planet from and he's being beaten up by some of the guards from Isolder's homeworld who are there with his mother to try and find Leia on his behalf. And Luke saves the woman who Han won the planet from and as a like he makes her tell him what planet it is and promise not to tell anyone else based because just look make eye contact with me and think the name of the planet and don't tell anyone but it turns out that Isolder's mom already has the name of the planet because she the woman who Han won the planet from had already like put in her ship's like essentially google this planet Mm -hmm. she put it in her google maps google maps this planet and they were like oh i wonder that that must be where where it is but han is uh rather luke is invited to have dinner with isolder and his mom and he's like listen like i have to go save leia and she's like oh well like that's cool we're cool with that this isn't ominous at all go it's fine Mm mm-hmm and Isolder decides to go with him because he knows that Jedi can like go places faster because they don't have to do safe hyperspace routes. They can go wherever the fuck they want because of the force and being able to navigate that way, I guess. So he convinces Luke that they should go together and Luke's like, fucking whatever. Meanwhile, on Dathomir, Han has crashed the Falcon. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> because it turns out there were a lot of imperial ships there when he got there which he was not expecting because he had this whole plan so they pretend to be space trash and crash into the planet which if you've seen star wars is not an uncommon tactic and leia's pissed is more pissed when they find giant footprints from a giant creature that probably will kill them if it finds them and han doesn't understand why she's not in love with him yet mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And they get Luke and Isolder get to Dathomir and they get into a fight with the Imperial forces and they also do the pretending to be dead thing, except Isolder is pretty sure that Luke's ship has been sabotaged by his mother, but it turns out that Luke 
isn't actually dead. He just put himself into a Jedi trance, so it seems like he's dead. Mm-hmm. This is a book throughout it where I'm like, wait, can Jedi do that? I didn't, like, there's just a lot of yeah. things where I'm like, oh, is this allowed for Jedis to do? I guess. I feel like, actually, most of this stuff is, like, mentioned in a lot of the other, especially the earlier uh, EU novels, but also, like, not usually all together. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like it's the same kind of thing with the technology, where it's like, you don't want to make the Jedi too overpowerful, but at the same time, it's like, well, it seems like they should be extremely fucking powerful. So you, like, I don't know. You have to find this, like, middle ground of what they can and can't do, or, like, what their limits are. And I'm, it's just not super clear. Like, all-powerful Luke in this book is one of the funniest things about it to me. Because, like, it could have been really fun, but it takes itself so seriously. And I just, like, all-powerful, super serious Jedi Master Luke Skywalker. And I just, every time he came on, I just started giggling. Everyone in this book is so, the characterization is so wild. The choices that this man made for these beloved characters <laughs> are just, are just off the wall. They're bad and he should feel bad. Yeah. <laughs> for real though. Um. So Han and Leia and Chewie get captured by and, and 3po do not and forget. 3po oh yes 3po who's wearing clothes for the first time yes 3po is the opposite of a never nude and he's very uncomfortable <laughs> <laughs> um they put him in in fatigues so that his gold shiny body won't attract attention but they do get captured by stormtroopers but then they escape they escape right and then they get captured by the witches or do the witches attack the stormtroopers and then ca- i know that they end up captured by witches i'm pretty sure the witches attack the stormtroopers and like i don't know capture them from their captivity so they're now they're the captives of witches and not stormtroopers luke meanwhile ice holder is like oh my god i can't believe you're alive and luke's like it's because of the force and ice holder's like huh the force is interesting and luke like has a light bulb go off over his head where he's like is this a new pupil for me he's not force sensitive but he's interested i'm gonna teach him yeah Yeah, he's looking at the beautiful butterfly of ice holder and he's like is this a pigeon to student yeah. <laughs> Does he have a microchip tied to his leg? Maybe. It, it's like he, he expresses polite interest in the idea of the force, and Luke's just like, yes, this is what I've been waiting for. Yes. <laughs> Luke's ready. I should add, by the way, when our when our A team is captured by witches, Leia is not, because they're like, oh, you're a girl, you must be a witch, come with us. These stinky boys are our prisoners, and you come with us. And so Leia gets, like, immediately inducted as a witch, and frankly, love that for her. Yes. Big fan. So they, as part of their being captured as slaves, uh, Han, they're trying to get Han to help them with the other men in the fields harvest these, like, wild 250-meter-long worms from the ground, and he does one successfully, so everyone, all the other men and children are like, ah, like, this guy's the best, and he yeah. gets really inflated sense of self about it, which that part does feel kind of in character. Yeah. But not necessarily to the extent which he is obsessed with it in the actual text. It's weird. Anyway, we learn. Meanwhile, Luke um, learns that the Jedi Academy was not a building, but it was a spaceship and it 
crashed on Dathomir and he found some like parts of it. So he's like, yes, I'm finding more pieces of Jedi Wikipedia that I wanted. But then they they get captured by a single witch whose name is Tenennial, which makes me feel like I'm stuttering every time I say it. <laughs> like I want to be like, oh, it's Captain Tenniel, but it's Tenennial. And she's a witch. Yes. And around here, we learn kind of the backstory, which is that the witches are force sensitive women who are like obviously in control of this planet. And there's several clans, but then also there is the Night Sisters, who are dark side witches, who are aligned with the base that the Empire left on this planet so the night sisters and it's very like at one point they're like oh well like there's a hundred night sisters but only like 80 regular or 30 regular it's yeah because because every because the night sisters keep like recruiting the good witches because anytime you do something evil you get like corrupted by the dark side and then you go to be a night witch like instantly yeah and it's it just like the the numbers that they give don't necessarily makes sense but what in this book does make sense really i think the 30 is supposed to just be tenennial's clan um and there are other clans that like are too far away to get involved quickly okay to, to be fair about that one thing but the other thing that is really weird is they've been on this planet for generations and they apparently don't have any sons that are force sensitive only daughters i have a lot of questions about that yeah i wonder if they just don't like train the sons like even if they i don't know but it, it's yeah it seems like no yeah, because, like, spoilers, they're super shocked that Luke is, like, Force-sensitive. Like, stunned. Just so shocked. Yeah. And the fact that he can do magic without incantations or hand motions freaks them out. He must be so powerful. Ugh. Yeah, because they, like, they use the Force, but they say spells and stuff like a like an Earth Witch. But it's just weird because... From what we've seen of Jedi before, like, why would they think that they needed to do that? Like, how did that start? What's their deal? We don't know. I don't know how it started, but they did say that, like, when they crash landed, um, the, like, or when the, when the original, like, you know, Force Witch slash Jedi died, her daughter was only, like, 16 and not fully trained. And so, like, some weird stuff may have gone down. Oh, that's right. I don't know that that makes sense. Like, I still have a lot of questions. Yeah. But so there's a lot of like, Tenennial has captured Luke and Isolder and she like wants to make Luke her, here's where we get a lot of info dump about how this, <laughs> the the matriarchy on this world works. Like because she captured them, they're her slaves slash mates. Mm-hmm. And she wants Luke because he's a witch, but also like she's obsessed with how handsome Isolder is, which like to be fair, basically everyone in this book is. Including Luke. Luke Inc- and Han are both like horny for Isolder also. Yeah. <laughs> Luke, I mean, obviously, like Luke throughout this book, every time, because he starts to like kind of theoretically get a little crush on Tenennial, but then like every time someone notices, they're like, Luke never looks at women like this. This is wild. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this, I just think this book should be gayer than it is. I don't understand how all these witches live together in a matriarchal society and none of them are boning down with each other. That's all I wanted. Star Wars as a whole is not gay enough. I think we can all agree. Yeah. 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 I'll get into that a little bit later too. 
<laughs> but so we, we find out all this like backstory about how like the women, how the, the clans work and how the women are in charge. And she's taking them to meet her clan so that she can be like, hey, like this one's mine now. And then also I have this other guy who I guess I'll, you know, put up for auction or whatever. So Leia, meanwhile, has successfully negotiated with the witches to be like, hey, like these are my people. Can you chill a little bit? And they're like, yeah, fine. And she also tells them that Han has the deed to the planet, which is a thing he keeps saying to these people, like it fucking means anything. Like, but, it, but then it does mean something because they're yeah. like, oh, can we buy the planet from you? And it's like, people live here. <laughs> it's, it's so weird. And he's like, all right, well, like you can have it if like I can get my shit back and you give me like riches and also Leia marries me. And they're like, well, we can't make her marry you that's that's not how that works but he like sort of agrees to it anyway and they decide they realize that like the falcon needs repairs and to get the repairs they need to go to the imperial base where the night sisters live along with you know the imperial people to get supplies to do the repairs so Leia and Isolder and Luke and Han and Tenennial are like, all right, well, we'll, and the droids, I think, also are like, we'll, we'll go and do this and it's fine. So they do that. And it's just a lot of like fucking tedious travel and like description of parts. They find the prison of an R2D2 and 3PO are like, we need hours to decrypt this coded message. So we're going to do that. They find out that the prison is full of political prisoners. Some of them, like, Han and Leia recognize, like, oh, we know these people. And it's like, what? Okay. This part, like, like, this is the part that I fully, like, deleted from my memory. I was like, I only care about the witches. And then there's, like, so many pages of this. Very boring. Yeah, there's a lot of chapters where it's just, like, they get parts for the ship, and then, like, they're attacked, but then they get away, and they get the parts back, but also the Night Sisters are coming, like, constantly, just for, like, many chapters. It's just, like, oh, like, they're gonna come attack us any moment now, but many chapters go by until they do, and finally, Luke is like, all right, I'm gonna hold off the sisters. Han, you have to go fix the ship, and, because otherwise they're gonna give you to the bad warlord guy who wants to kill you. So Luke like has a strokes out while protecting them with the force yeah because the night witch does like brain magic on him yeah and han is able to mostly fix the ship but not like totally but enough to like get it away to somewhere else and then he gets like a force brain message from the main night witch who's like night sister who says, like, I'm going to keep killing all the political prisoners unless you turn yourself in so that I can use you as a bargaining trip with chip with the warlord. And he's like, okay, but I'm going to suicide bomb you. But he doesn't say that part to her. He says it to Leia. Mm-hmm. And at that point, Leia's like, oh, I would be sad if he dies. I guess I should marry him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. But she's also like, yeah, but it's your duty. So go ahead. Bye. <laughs> I love you forever. Bye. so han tries to use his suicide bomb but the night witches use the force to turn it off so he can't um but he is tortured by the main night witch who's like i'm gonna torture you the way that i would have died if that bomb had gone off but really slowly so i'm gonna start by breaking your teeth (laughs) no no it's his idea she starts by breaking his legs and he's like oh what if you broke my teeth and then he's like oh no what have i done yeah yeah (laughs) It's but not she, his brightest moment. 
Yeah, but also sort of felt like in character. Like, yes. there's little oh, dumb totally. moments where I'm like, okay, maybe maybe you did watch these movies, Dave, once. <laughs> the Force heals Luke, so he's able to, like, come up and help and use the Force to pilot the Fal- Falcon and set off the guns simultaneously to save Han. And by the way, and and everyone's like, oh my god, I've never seen him pilot like this. I'm like, oh, did you guys not watch, like, the movies? Isn't this, like, his thing? <laughs> he, like, you know, closes his eyes and lets the Force do it and then he blows up the Death Star. Did you guys not see that? <laughs> <laughs> oh. Anyway, so, he does it. <laughs> he does it. And they save Han. Um, and Ice Holder says to, to Teneniel, like, hey, why don't you come marry me? on my world or why don't you come off world with me I can put you wherever you want and she's like well I want to marry you and he's like well you can't though because like my mom would be mad uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and then Han kills this warlord who's been like sort of was implied to kind of be the big bad the entire time but yeah. we never really see him and he's killed by the way, we missed out the part where the warlord was gonna block out the sun, like like some like fully on some Mr. Burns shit, and he's like, I have all these satellites and they're gonna block out the sun if you don't surrender. That was the other thing, like, we'll kill the prisoners and block out the sun, but we need Han Solo, blah blah blah. And if we block out the sun, then everyone will freeze to death without the sun. And it's like <laughs> what? <laughs> It's very, uh, everything, so, and all of these things, like, it's not like I missed those and they happened 20 chapters ago. All of these things happen within, like, the last five chapters of the book. Yeah, the pacing is tedious and also whack. Yeah. Um, But Han kills the warlord by, like, firing on the ship and he blows up and we, like, basically never meet him. It's very anticlimactic. But at the end, Leia's like, you won the bet, I'll marry you now. And he's like, cool i mean like the bet's off but cool anyway we also forgot the part where like the the reason the warlord has it in for han is because han like blew up some prized ship and was like kiss my wookie and like <laughs> literally said kiss my wookie and like flew off into the sun and uh yes and then when he blows up this one he's like hey kiss my wookie again yeah it's very it's very a lot it's very um, a lot. But so then, like, the conclusion is that Isolder tells his mom that he wants to marry Teneniel, and his mom's like, ah, oh, you can't. And then he realizes his mom is evil, and that Leia wasn't the one who was the target of the assassination. It was him, because his mom doesn't think he'd be a good ruler. And Teneniel, like, beats up his mom's guards, and she's like, oh, I guess you've bested me. <laughs> Well, and, like, he realizes his mom, so his mom is, like, opposed to, this is one of the weirder, dumber things. She's like, you keep trying to marry pacifists. Um, and so, like, this can't happen. And because she, like, killed his previous fiance because she was a pacifist. And she'd killed his older brother because I don't really know why. They don't say. She just killed him because he wasn't, I guess, he was too weak to hold the throne. And so Teneniel being like, ha I will, you know, I'm stronger than all of your guards is, like, She's not happy about it, but she's like, well, I've been defeated. Yeah. Also, multiple times they call Leia a pacifist. And I'm like, is she? Like, she's got a gun. <laughs> like, yeah, she wants peace ultimately. But to me, a pacifist would not have, like, participated in a rebellion for 10 years or whatever. Yeah. Maybe that's just me. Rob's not. Rob's not. Oh, and then they have the wedding 
And to me, Han and Leia's wedding is such a big deal. Oh, before this, there's one other thing, which is that the oldest witch gives Luke a Jedi-pedia. And he's like, thanks. Like, But he had to, you know, earn it through all these actions. And then she's like, here you go. Uh, and then six weeks later, Han and Leia get married in like two pages. And they don't even really... Like, to me, Han and Leia's wedding should be such a big deal. And it's not in this book. Yeah. They they spend more time on my absolute favorite part of this book, where C-3PO panics and, like, runs in and is, like, is about to, like, break up the wedding because he's like, oh, no, I've discovered that Han Solo's ancestor was actually a pretender to the throne and he was executed and Han isn't really the king of Corellia. And then Luke puts him at his shut, locks him in a closet and is like, no, we're not about that. And like goes into the wedding. Yeah, this whole wedding section is from Luke's point of view. And he accidentally gets like his taxi takes him to the wrong place. So he's late, late to the wedding. There's more description of his taxi taking him to the wrong place, him eventually getting to the wedding, having that conversation with 3PO. And then there's like one paragraph about how beautiful everyone looked and how Leia wasn't mad at him for being late. And like, that's the end. I would read a fanfic as long as this book about Han and Leia's wedding. And instead I had to read this book and then read three sentences about Han and Leia's wedding. <laughs> yeah. Zane, is there another book about their wedding? Not that I'm aware of. They don't like, they don't seem to really like weddings in um, Star Wars. Cause even like when like uh, farther in the future, Luke marries another Jedi named Mara Jade and like, they don't even get their wedding. They have like multiple trilogies dedicated to them, like getting to know each other and like realizing they're in love. And then their wedding is, I think, like a single volume, like maybe even a single issue comic. I've never actually read it, but they're not big on weddings in Star Wars. I guess those are for girls. Whatever. God forbid. They're for witches. Mm, yes. <sighs> this, Yeah, this is just tiresome. Yeah, it's very, there's just... It's a lot. I mean, I I kind of figured within the first couple pair, like the first couple chapters, like, oh, this is going to be a book with like, where men battle over Leia. But I did expect her to have slightly more agency, opinion, any agency, really. Yeah, that's it, just it, very weird. We also forgot the unsung heroes of this book, which are if the Rancors. If you remember, in I, th- I think it was um, the Return of the Jedi. There's that. Yeah, no, because it's in Jabba's Palace. It was Return of the Jedi, yeah. Yeah. It was in Jabba's Palace, and there's that, like, monster that they, like, dump Luke down to, and then he kills it. There's a bunch, the the witches have, like, tamed those guys, and they ride around on their heads. Yeah, which is cool. Um, Which is cool. The witches are cool. They really are. Um, They ride around on their heads, and they, like, one of them, like, saves people, and it's very sweet, actually. Yeah. (laughs) But, yeah. All right. Yeah, it was weird. weird. This was a weird book that we read. I mean, we can say that basically every week. Yeah. Should we move on to dramatic readings and give you all just a little a little dose of this book, unadulterated? Yeah, let's do that. Um, so Zane's going to go first and is going to read a little bit of the part where Isolder is like, hey, the Force, I've heard of that before. And Luke is like, excellent. You will join Jedi University starting now. I will do my best not to laugh as I read this. Uh, so this, for context, the storm is uh, Isolder's ship. 
Storm had also settled quietly to the ground, but nowhere could Isolder see a sign of the repulsor lift mechanism. No generators, no anti-gravity dishes aimed into the air. He looked all around, then saw something above. Luke Skywalker, sitting with his legs crossed, eyes closed in concentration, and arms folded, floating to the ground. Skywalker, Isolder thought. Perhaps that is how his ancestors got their name. When the Jedi had floated within inches of the rock, he opened his eyes and jumped as if dropping from a ledge. How, how did you do that? Isolder asked, the hair prickling on the back of his arms. Until that moment, Isolder had never felt like worshipping anyone or anything. <laughs> <laughs> I told you, Luke said, the Force is my ally. But you were dead, Isolder said. I saw it on my scopes. You weren't breathing and your skin was cold. A Jedi trance, Luke said. The Jedi masters all learn how to stop their hearts, drop their body temperature. I needed to fool Zinj soldiers. And then I'm going to skip just like a lot more of that and go to um, Luke gazed at him in the moonlight and double shadows played over Luke's face. Isolder wondered if Luke was trying to convert him because Isolder was the Chumeda, the consort to the woman who would become queen. I talk like this to you, Luke said, because the force has brought us together because you are trying to serve the light side now. Why else would you risk your life? Come here to Dathomir with me to save Leia. Vengeance? I think not. <laughs> and just, the whole book is like that. Yeah. You know, is this supposed to be also like like a Mormon mission, but for Jedis? Um, I do think that there's some of that evangelical nature in there, right? But I don't, I don't really think so because there are like very specific rules around behavior on missions that you don't see here. I do think that that also like plays into the earlier part with um, maybe it is. Cause like the earlier part with um, Han coming back and like Leia has moved on is like very Mormon dear John on missions, hmm. um, which is like, it's not as common as it used to be because now a lot of couples just are like, yeah, this probably, we probably need to just not even, Maybe when you come back, if I'm still single, and a lot of couples now just break up before. Uh, also, they do missions younger now, so it doesn't happen as often. But yeah, it felt very like Dear John to me. All right. Well, our next dramatic reading is uh, MVP of this book, 3PO, performing a song that in my head goes to What a Man by Salt and Peppa, but I'm not going to try to perform <laughs> it that way. That's just sort of how I heard it in my head while I was reading it. Okay. 3PO walked around the room nervously and then said, Princess Leia, would you like some relaxing music to help you sleep? The golden droid stood in the center of the stone room, eyes shining, head tilted to one side. Music? Leia asked. Yes, I've written a song, 3PO said, and I thought you might appreciate it if I sang to you. His tone said that he'd be offended if he didn't listen. Leia frowned, and Han rather pitied her. He'd never heard 3PO sing, but he couldn't imagine that it would be much good. Sure, Leia said hesitantly, but maybe just the first verse. She's smart. Oh, thank you, 3PO said. I've titled my song The Virtues of King Han Solo. A musical intro with horns and strings began playing, and Han found himself a bit surprised. He knew that 3PO could mimic other voices, and he'd heard the droid give some nice sound effects when telling stories to the Ewoks but he never heard music coming from the droid. 3PO did a rather convincing impression of a full symphony orchestra. Then he began swirling and dance, doing a soft shoe that scraped and echoed over the stone floors, and the droid sang in a deep voice that sounded an awful lot like Jukas Alim, one of the galaxy's more popular singers. 
He's got his own planet, although it's kind of wild. Wookiees love him. Women love him. He's got a winning smile. Though he may seem cool and cocky, he's more sensitive than he seems. Chorus sung in accompaniment with three women who all sound like Leia in parentheses. Han Solo. What a man. Solo. He's every princess's dream. 3PO ended with a flourish of horns and drums and a tap routine, then took a bow to Leia. Leia just stared at him with an expression somewhere between bewilderment and horror. Hey, that's pretty good, Han said. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. Oh. Well, yeah, like, why couldn't the whole book just be that, huh? <laughs> <laughs> he does say he has like 16 more verses. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, so, this last dramatic reading is going to be everybody wants to ride a rancor with Leia. <laughs> essentially uh, as they are as they are gearing up to go get parts from the imperial base uh and they are all getting ready to ride here is is where we are once they finished teneniel climbed up on one of the mounts and chewy on another han came to leia's mount and started looking for a foothold to climb up but luke hurried over say uh han luke said softly i was sort of hoping to ride with leia it's been a long time since I've seen her, and I sort of wanted to get caught up on a few things. Leia could feel an unusual tenseness in Luke. No way, buddy, Han said. She's mine. Why don't you ride on that rancor over there? He nodded towards Tenennial. That Tenennial's definitely hot for you. Her? Luke said. I wouldn't know about that. Luke blushed, and Leia suddenly understood. Luke was feeling shy, and yet she could feel he was pulled in two different directions. He liked the girl, but didn't want to get close. You can't tell me you haven't noticed her, Han said. I mean, that woman is definitely put together just right. Yeah, I've noticed, Luke smiled weakly. So what, you're telling me you don't want her? Han asked in disbelief. We're just from such different worlds, Luke said. But you've got so much in common. You're both from strange little backwater planets. You both have odd powers. You're male and she's female. (laughs) What more do you need? (laughs) Believe me, buddy, if I were you, I'd go right up there and ask her if she wants to ride on my rancor. Oh my god. (laughs) i don't know luke said above them leia could feel some of the tension ease out of him han had nearly talked luke into it okay if you don't want to ask her to ride with you maybe i should ask her to ride with me han said glancing up at leia oh you're so juvenile leia shot back trying to make me jealous well it won't work hey han said i'm the jilted lover here if you want to ride with his highness ice holder that's your prerogative he waved towards Isolder, who was standing over by Tenennial's rancor. But if I go looking for some lovely young lady to comfort me while I'm on the rebound, why should you care? I don't care. Much, Leia said. It's not you I'm worried about. I just don't want you using another woman that way. Me, Han said, throwing his arms wide and shrugging in a gesture of disbelief. He turned to look at Tenennial, but Luke was already climbing the rancor to sit next to her. Isolder had sneaked back around Leia's mount, and he scurried up in that instant, leaped into the uh, saddle beside Leia. Too bad, General Solo, Isolder said, patting Leia's knee. It looks like you'll have to ride beside your hairy Wookiee friend. But I know that won't bother you since you two are so close. Yeah, it's very, there's certainly a lot of heterosexualness in this book. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, what's the alternative? (laughs) I don't, I don't understand what else they could do. (laughs) 
Oh boy. All right, so uh, time for reader's advisory, I think. Yeah. So what are some books to read instead of or in addition to Courtship of Princess Leia? And I'm going to pretty clearly say instead of. I don't recommend this if this wasn't clear. <laughs> yeah, don't read this book. Um, so for me, um, I would say like, I really like the, so for like more classic older stuff, which is what I'm more familiar with. I really like the, um, X-Wing Squadron series. Uh, it's by multiple authors. It's kind of fun. Um, it's pretty heterosexual too. I like those too. And those I liked when I was a kid, but I haven't reread them. I read them in my twenties. So yeah, I, I don't know. I don't, I, I think they probably hold up, but it has been a little while. This is like, not every this book is not for everybody, but um, there's the Dark Nest trilogy by Troy Denning is another one I like. If, if for any like other you know hardcore fans are gonna be like, what about Timothy Zahn? And I'm not gonna recommend him specifically because he was a dick to me once at DragonCon in 2012, and I have not <laughs> forgotten, and I will not forget. Yeah, we respect that. We're a podcast that knows how to hold a grudge. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't read a ton of the more recent Star Wars books, like post the legendizing of the older ones but i've really been watching with respect as they've brought in a lot of like really respected really good authors especially diverse authors to write books and also one thing when i was a kid i was reading these adult novels because that's the star wars books that there were like there were these young jedi academy books or something but they started to come out right as i was starting to be too old for them and now there's a, a universe of Star Wars novels and there's, you know, picture books and middle grade ones and YA and adult. And there's so many. And especially in the for the middle grade and YA books, they're getting like Rebecca Roanhorse and Daniel Jose Older and Justina Ireland and these authors who have written other books that are great. Like they're getting. Yeah, you recognize all those names because we talk about them all the time. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't know about Rebecca Roanhorse, and I like. I went. I saw. I saw you put that in there. I like went to Apple Books like within five seconds and bought that book. (laughs) I haven't read it yet, but I'm really excited. Yeah. So just a couple of those specifically are um, Rebecca Roanhorse run called Resistance Reborn. Daniel Jose Older, I guess, now has a big part in. I don't fully understand it. There's something called High Republic, and he's listed as major story architect for this, like, series. I don't know what any of that means, but good for him. Justina Ireland has a a newer one called A Test of Courage. She also wrote a middle grade book about Lando. It was cute. Um, There's a book that came out a few years ago called From a Certain Point of View that was an anthology of just different it was kind of like those earlier men stories i mentioned where it was just like short stories about very minor characters and it's an anthology with just like a wild array of people like if you list at it it's like um like glenn weldon from pop culture happy hour wrote a story griffin mcelroy wrote a story a lot a lot of nedia korafor wrote a story a lot of great authors wrote these like fun stories for that book mackenzie has one in the sequel that's coming out right oh yeah i think she does yeah mackenzie lee um, the, yeah, th- this one was from a certain point of view, and then another one is coming out called something else. I'll put it on the page. I'll put it on the Reader's Advisory page at worstbestsellers.com. There's also a lot of good comics that I want to shout out. There is a good Han Solo series written by Marjorie Liu, who's X-Men and Wolverine comics I love. She also has other books, but I love her most for her X-Men books because that's who I am as a person. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Kieran Gillen, who I also love from X-Men, 
um, has a series called Dr. Afra, which is kind of like Indiana Jones, but in space. And it's kind of that, but with some more stuff going on and some like queer representation in the Star Wars universe. What do you know? It can happen. Yeah. I, I do just want to shout out that Marjorie Lou also um, does the book Monstrous, which is really good. And we've talked about before, but I'm mostly shouting out because friend of the show, Jennifer Smith, is, of course, the editor on that book. Of course. Yeah, so those are those are some more recent Star Wars books that I recommend. I don't I haven't read any Star Wars books in a very very long time, so I did read from a certain point of view that was good. So I could yeah. sign that and these I I leave it to you guys to these all sound good. I can't recommend it, but the Knights of the Old Republic comics have the main character has shares my fairly uncommon spelling of my not very common name and I'm very smug about it. Ooh, nice. <laughs> Oh, fan fiction. I was going to say um, fan fiction. We almost always recommend fan fiction, and there's a lot of Star Wars fan fiction that you can find on the internet and perhaps enjoy it. Yes. <laughs> there used to be like the force.net forums that had a ton that got like wiped out, and I'm still sad about it to this day. Oh, well, there's there's probably more. I don't know. There is. <laughs> <laughs> that was all the Star Wars fan fiction. It's gone now. <laughs> yeah, no, there is. But it genuinely, like, a lot of stories were lost. And it was very, because they didn't give a lot of warning. And I'm, yeah. Yeah. As a person who way back machined the West Wing National Archive for, like, <laughs> hours per day over the summer to save stuff that didn't make it to AO3, I feel you. <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of fan fiction, let's play The Rock Paper Snicked, where Kate will say who Dwayne The Rock Johnson would be if he were in this book, and I'll say who Wolverine would be if he were in this book, and Zane will choose which most enhances the book, or she can choose paper, which is to leave it as is. All right. Well, if Dwayne The Rock Johnson was in this book, he would be on the Alderanian Council and would strongly object to the weird thing where everyone is peer pressuring Leia into marrying some random dude she just met, even though she's like kind of publicly with Han already, I have to imagine. And it's not like, I mean, he is some bum off the street, but he's also one of the heroes of the rebellion and a big fancy general. So I don't know why everyone treats him like he's trash. But The Rock would give a very persuasive, impassioned speech, and everyone would chill out a little bit, and maybe at least like 50% of the weird consent issues in this book would be cleared up. That sounds cool. If Wolverine were in this book, he'd be one of the players at the Sabak table in the bar with Han, and he'd get mad about losing and probably like flip the table and stomp out of the bar and just sort of growl. And it, it wouldn't really change the book that much, but it would just be kind of like a fun little Easter egg for the, for the true fans. I'm going to have to go with The Rock mm -hmm. simply because uh, I think there was a missed opportunity with Wolverine and Chewbacca and like arm ripping off and stuff. Wow. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm humbled. <laughs> Chewbacca does rip. Chewbacca does rip somebody's arm off in this. I forgot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. That's a galaxy brain. Excellent. You're right. You're right. You're right. Love it. <laughs> you're right. Well, great game congratulations kate <laughs> well what do we think the moral of the story is i would say the moral of the story at least for me is that star wars should be gayer mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, i have to go with never play cards with a direct marion it's a direct quote from leia 
uh, I feel like, you know, this whole story could have been avoided. And I don't know if it would have been better or worse, but it could have been avoided if Han just didn't play cards with the Drakmarian. And then I wouldn't have had to read this. That's a great point. Mine is sort of linked to Kate's. And mine is just ban men from writing matriarchies. They can't be trusted. No. Yeah. One thousand percent. All right. Well, now it's usually time for Duarte's Corner, where my cat Duarte gives his opinions about the book. But I understand that, Zane, perhaps you have a guest speaker for us? Yes, um, Elvis. So um, Elvis is Elvis is going to have his corner in which he strongly objects to this book. Yeah, no, I agree with basically everything you said, Elvis. You were really spot on with that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know... Here's what I've been thinking about all this, and you you raise this point as well. And you know, there's a lot of friendly or maybe not so friendly disagreement about like what's better, Star Wars or Star Trek? I don't know. And Star Trek also has some like whack matriarchies written by men, but at least in those, like a we get to see Riker wearing like a sexy tunic, and this book did not give us any of that. And also, Star Trek has canonical cats in it, and Star Wars doesn't. At least not in this book, maybe in some other ones, I don't know. But there's no cats in this book, and there are cats in Star Trek The Next Generation. And so I think we've, like, solved that fandom war. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. To be honest. All right, well, thank you to Elvis and Duarte. Thank you for peacefully napping through your segment and just seeding your time in that generous fashion. Uh, do any humans have any closing thoughts? Um, this, was, this wasn't a good book. No. It was not. Star Wars has some some really great novels. Don't don't let this be representative of those. But don't don't read this book if you haven't already. And if you have already, don't reread it. Yeah, just let it be rusted out blips in your memory. You'd be better off. Yeah. But thank you for joining us, Zane. As much as I did not enjoy reading this book, as always, discussing it was a delight. Yeah, you are welcome for for having this horror unleashed upon you. <laughs> uh, I do I do my best. And you can find me on uh, a seldom updated Twitter, Zane, Z-A-Y-N-E underscore C, or on Instagram, uh, Zane, Z-A-Y-N-E H-Z. Well, if you want to find us as a podcast, we're on Facebook and Instagram at Worst Bestsellers, spelled normally. And we're also on Twitter, um, where we're at Worst Bestseller with no S. And that's because the S was corrupted when the emperor tried to melt all of our files. But he didn't do a good job, and he only got the S. Uh, we also have a Goodreads group that you can most easily access by going to our website, worstbestsellers.com, and clicking on Goodreads. You can find us on anywhere you can find podcasts, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Spotify, all the podcast places. And if you do find us, please take a moment to subscribe and rate and review. And when you rate and review, it moves us up a bit in the charts and makes it easier for new people to find us. If you don't rate and review, then we might have to gamble away your entire planet to someone in a card game. It's just the way it goes. You can also find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash worstbestsellers. Patreon is a service where you pledge a small monthly recurring donation that goes to us to do things like pay for web hosting and pay for editing services and uh, all sorts of other wonderful things. And in return, you get perks like a monthly newsletter and stickers and postcards and many other things. 
Uh, you can also find merch from the show by going to worstbestsellers.com and clicking on merch, where you can find all sorts of designs from our podcast to wear on your body. And finally, we do have a Discord server where you can chat with other fans of the show about like a little bit about the show, but mostly it seems to be about like Riverdale and mm. Shadow and Bone <laughs> and crafts and people's pets. And you can find that by going to worstbestsellers.com and clicking on the link for Discord. I love the segment of our show where we just explain how to click on links to people every time. (laughs) If you need help clicking links, go to your public library. (laughs) And that's what I spend about an hour of my day doing. Uh, If you want, or or if you can somehow figure out Twitter but not link clicking, you can tweet at me personally on that Renata Snacks. And I am at 14 across, although I am more on Instagram these days than on Twitter. Uh, All right. Well, Flashback Summer will continue and we're coming back down to earth. We'll be reading Babysitter's Club Super Special Number 2 colon Babysitter Summer Vacation by Anna Martin. And I'm fucking looking forward to it. Hard same. I'm looking forward to you guys reading it so that I don't have to. (laughs) (laughs) All, that is that is our stated objective. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, we'll be back in two weeks with our friends, the Babysitters Club. Until then, Zane, thanks again for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. I had a blast. And listeners, thanks for listening. Bye. 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 Bye.